The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Newman, and this week I'm joined here with Ben Haworth. How are you, Ben? I'm doing very well. How are you, Jack? I am awesome. I, you can't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you, the viewer, can hear it. Either well, you're not a viewer, you're a listener, so you definitely can't see it, but you might be able to hear it. The sound of a gigabit fiber connection. That's what that sounds like. So sexy. Mm -hmm. So sexy. Yeah. Apparently my internet cannot physically handle it because like, you know, five gigahertz, like gigahertz Wi-Fi can only handle like a hundred megabytes per second anyways (laughs) and my house my house only has like one ethernet port directly from the back of where i have it so only i right now have a thousand megabytes so it's really ridiculous (laughs) and i need to scale down but for right now man it feels feeling good nice feeling real good well i'm just excited that uh in los angeles it's mildly cold so that's what i got going on <laughs> leave the windows open turn the ac off it's nice right <laughs> it's a good week it is a good week and this week we're going to be talking about murder on the orient express uh the kenneth branagh directed adaptation of agatha christie's classic kind of really the the touchstone of detective fiction to be entirely honest with one of the most famous reveals in detective fiction uh, but before we get into that, we're going to be talking about uh, The Post, the new trailer out this week for Trailer Corner, uh, which is kind of talking about the Pentagon Papers, and it's uh, directed by Steven Spielberg and with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, uh, so it's, you know, going to win an Oscar. That's probably it's true. It's going to be nominated at the very least. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be there. Yeah, this is sort of like yeah. the last one that a lot of Oscar predictor people were waiting for because there was no trailer and nothing, and it and Phantom Thread are the only ones that have screened nowhere. Uh, Phantom Thread being the Pete Paul Thomas Anderson movie. So these are the two that everyone who predicts Oscars are like, how is it? You know, is it is it worthy, essentially? So it's one of those like, is it yeah. going to be a late career spoiler? Because there really isn't a front runner right now. So very possible Spielberg could win Best Picture again. And it's a very politically charged year where journalists are often under attack. So right, yeah. Know. <laughs> oh, I think I think that's the that's the whole point of it. It's it's going to be you know how does an actual um, you know it talks you know it'll talk. I, I don't think this is the part where like Nixon falls down. So it's very interesting to me if they cast Nixon as like this unassailable force that they can't be brought down, and it kind of shows them in the moment of it. Uh, you know that it'll be very interesting, especially considering you know everything that's happened this year with Trump, and it's definitely that take on it. But it's interesting too to see like because it's interesting to me too how like remembering like how politically charged stuff like this was, and it definitely seemed to me from my perspective back in the day that like you know they might have been on the wrong of it, like there was more question about it at least in my own mind. Um, but it's also interesting seeing her take you know Meryl Streep as in a powerful female position, and uh, so it's it's interesting. Do you think it'll be good, Ben? Like, honestly. Uh, so, like, the thing about uh, uh, me with uh, late career Spielberg is that I think he's a very undervalued sort of post-DreamWorks, which is around 97. Um, and I think his run from 1998 to 2005 is incredible. 
And uh, other than the terminal, <laughs> I just always get that. <laughs> Damn it, the terminal. Um, but it's I, okay. <laughs> I, I think he started to become a very interesting uh, adult filmmaker, and I, I I like a lot of his films that a lot of people consider boring dad movies, like Lincoln, and and uh, I really liked Bridge of Spies quite a bit actually. Uh, yeah. This kind of looks like hot criminally garbage. underappreciated. Yeah, and this kind of looks like hot garbage to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like maybe it's just a bad trailer, but it it looks really like every shot is a push in dramatically on Tom Hanks's face and he's like mm, I just I don't know about these papers and it's like I, I feel like I could write the parody <laughs> version of the movie very easily which is concerning to me I hope it's just a yeah. bad trailer but it, it was kind of rushed and I, I worry it's just gonna be well you know we got this story and let's we got these actors and let's write a whole thing about how press is under attack currently by talking about it in the past and I, I just hope it's not a rushed kind of slap together. Let's try to win an Oscar in 2017 kind of movie. And it's actually one of his more manipulative, <laughs> interesting movies. And I don't know the trailer doesn't make me give me hope. Yeah, I, I mean it's, it's it's always inherently hard to talk about particularly this subject because it's it's it was one of those subjects that had a very convoluted timeline and everything was very complicated. So I'm very interesting to see how they make this movie interesting. And especially like for me right now, like it has all these stereotypical characters. Like it feels so stereotypical that it's very it's going to be very difficult for me seeing them pull something like particularly evolutionary or interesting now. And that's my thing is like, does is, is you know, it's obvious Oscar bait, but like how truly Oscar bait worthy is it? Or is it just like it does it have more than that? I mean, we just essentially said the exact same thing so i'm going to move on unless you have something to add to that <laughs> no it's the only thing i'll add is that very clearly spielberg can pull his weight around and get the most incredible cast every time and it's kind of ridiculous because like the cast is like literally all of my favorite actors it's like meryl streep tom hanks sarah paulson bob odenkirk tracy letts bruce greenwood matthew Rees, carrie coon allison brie david cross jesse Plemons, michael stuhlbarg zach woods pat healy and uh that's pretty much it but uh yeah, and I'm sure most of these people are going to show up for like a scene, you know. And I'm sure I'm just going to be like, "Hi, Bruce Greenwood." <laughs> Bye, Bruce Greenwood. You know, like it just like uh, I just think it's so funny that he can just get like the biggest goddamn actors on the planet just to uh, show up for tiny, tiny roles. And I imagine that'll probably happen uh, in this film. Yeah, I was still I mean, we're going to get to talking about uh, Murder on the Orient Express, but I was amazed how much pull that uh, Kenneth Branagh still has with actors to get like Dame Judi Dench and like just a just a huge mix. I don't know if that had more to do with production or Branagh himself, but it felt it definitely felt like Kenneth Branagh's production. But let's get into that. Uh, so we, we, uh, went and saw this week, just me and Ben, we couldn't get everyone else to go. I don't know why, uh, but, uh, they're crazy, but, uh, <laughs> we went and saw murder on the Orient Express, a lavish trip through Europe quickly unfolds into a race against time ugh, to solve a murder aboard a train. When a van and when an avalanche stops the Orient Express dead in its tracks, the world's greatest detective Hercule, Hercule Poirot arrives to interrogate all passengers and search for clues before the killer can strike again. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, the screenplay was by Michael Green. It was released November 10th, 2017. Producers Kenneth Branagh, Ridley Scott, Simon Kinberg, Mark Gordon, Adida Sood, Michael Schaefer, and Judy Hoffman. Production companies were 20th Century Fox, Scott Free Productions, and Genre Films. Starring Johnny Depp, Daisy Ridley, Michelle Pfeiffer, Judy Dench, uh, and of course, Kenneth Branagh. 
and everybody good lord There's yeah so well that was my thing i like i this is this is for my purposes like with this film this is a sort of film that just doesn't get made anymore <laughs> no that's why i was really excited for it um and it's interesting to hear critics talk about this movie because i the i feel like a lot of the reasons i like this movie and i guess i'll just get out that i quite like this movie um is that it's just so traditional, I guess. I, I, I saw a lot of critics being like, it doesn't add anything, and there's nothing new here. And I get that if that's your criticism, but I guess it's just like we don't make these kind of movies anymore where we just get a big right. cast together and they all get like one kind of acty scene. Like they all get their interrogation scene and they get to act the shit out of it as best they can, you know? And, uh, uh, and then they all get together at the end for the who has done it. And uh, we all get to act again, and it's just great. You know, it's just like a classic, very old school, and it makes sense why I think uh, we could talk about why this genre moved to television as well. I think you know because it was in the seventies, like the big Sidney Lumet film was uh, had just this insane cast with all these people, and uh, similar to this film, where it's like the biggest names back in nineteen seventy four. And then there was a few that tried to do it, and then it went back to television. And it was like every time there was a new Poirot TV movie, they'd get all the big British actors together, you know, right. for a day. Uh, and you know, particularly dominated by David Suchet. Obviously, it's always like Suchet would be the Poirot, and then you'd have like your Toby Joneses and your you know Poirot, Claire Danes, Poirot. I think was in one. You know, like yeah, Poirot. <laughs> yeah, 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 Poirot. I'm gonna continue to say it uh, as he does through this whole thing. Um, I, I have to admit, I came into this, uh, sorry, go ahead. I might, did I interrupt you? I'm so sorry. No, I think I was, I was almost done, but I just think, yeah, I, I, I like that I it's felt, so traditional. I felt the wrap up energy. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I think I just like that it was so traditional and that it was so just kind of simply and elegantly filmed. It has that sort of Brana opulence that you just kind of, I kind of missed when he went down his diversion towards action. And I think as we see from this film, action is not his strong suit and it is, it's really not opulence and hammy acting is what he's great at. And this is, goes back to that kind of, uh, Hamlet-y, uh, style. And I also just think I'll yeah. add one more thing that I felt like Branagh really understood the character in a very, uh, literary way, which I thought, uh, was quite excellent. So that is, that's my take. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agreed with everything generally. I mean, Kenneth Branagh is a giant ham sandwich, and he is like he, he's he is a giant ham sandwich with a crown on top of it because he is the king sandwich. Right. Um. And and he's the classiest sandwich you can have. Yeah. Right. And it's it's just my thing is that from my perspective. So I finished. I, I guess like I'm at odds with two things. I like that this movie is made, and I like what this movie stands for, and I like how this is traditional. But I'm also a fan boy of this a little bit. Specifically Specifically, the David Suchet uh, Poirot, Poirot interpretation, uh, be, specifically because it's just me and Katie like watch those all the time. And also, like, I just finished the book again, like two days before I went and saw this film. So the first thing I need to say is that this film is just in if you like the book, this film is literally the book with like two extra action sequences. Right. It is <laughs> unbelievably accurate. But the big thing that I he disliked about this film, yes. famously, yeah. no, no, Hamlet was, is one of the few 
full Hamlet's on film and it's like four hours, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, it it suffers a little bit from that. It's very (laughs) long. It's like like the clip show of Hamlet is always the better version. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, William Shakespeare. I know I'm a terrible person that I can't sit through four hours. People prefer the uh, drama and he, it's like a political movie too. And that's the problem. It probably, I think we can handle Hamlet if it was like a miniseries, but it's like a full four hour play. It's also, it's also just like as, you know, it's one of these things where it's like the, elements of it become larger than life and so like we know all the key moments of hamlet and and like so and they're like these and like you know when you're writing these works like you know you're, you're playing for the big dramatic reveal eventually so like it's hard it's hard like you know that at some point that he's going to question his life so it's like in the early bits you're just like okay come on contemplate a skull god damn it right you're like, um, when is Ophelia yeah. gonna die we're talking about Fortinbras so much i forgot so much discussion. <laughs> and that's why it's so funny when they do a bridge Hamlet because then Fortinbras just kind of shows up and you're like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> what's what's happening in the background? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> what about the British monarchy? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think the big thing about uh, David, like, you know, for this interpretation is I really do not like uh, Kenneth Branagh's interpretation of Poirot. And primarily... The big moment, especially like the moments that they chose to re-identify him specifically with like the like, you know, he is a very particular person, but also kind of giving like putting Poirot into the savant category kind of bothered me (laughs) a little bit. And also like him, like, you know, stepping in shit and then step putting his other foot in shit just so there's like they're like equal. Like that's, that's really stupid, you know? And it doesn't, and it's not representative of who Poirot is. Like he was this very particular man, but sometimes like, like they're just taking a lot of like Poirot's characteristics and drawing extremities from like drawing it to the natural extreme. And it's just like, you know, also the other thing is like Poirot is a pudgy character in fiction and I want him to be (laughs) pudgy. Slender, beautiful Kenneth Branagh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and he's and, his, and also just like the interpretation of the mustache. Like, I'm sorry, like David Suchet has like put that mustache to bed as like David Suchet's mustache. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a lot of mustache I, in this movie. It's a yeah. lot of again, and, like and like, it, a, like a brand. Yeah. It's like, can we make it the whole face? Can we? Can it <laughs> can, keep going? Can it curl multiple times on the ends? <laughs> yes. Can it just? Can it envelop my entire face? But still be Can a mustache? I put it in a little hammock and like <laughs> while I sweep for my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So, so I, uh, I I understand that you're you're saying that he's he's a little bit too much like Monk, the TV show Monk, and I can totally right. respect that. I think why I really liked it and why I think he he got at least to a certain idea of the character is that it, I like the idea of the character that that Poirot is this, and this is where I will come in and that say I've never read any Poirot books. I've only seen like one or two of the Chausset. Uh, shows this movie actually did really make me want to see more, and I'm definitely going to put Pro on my Christmas, the complete set on my Christmas wish list. Um, and uh, you know, if, if someone gets that for me, then I will start going through the series because it seems like <laughs> something I will just enjoy watching from time to time. Um, and uh, and also, I think it's just cool that they started from the early cases and ended with his last case. Like, that's kind of neat that they didn't just go murder on the Orient Express first. We're going with the big one. You know, they waited till he was like, it's like 20 years in before they did that. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so that's where I'm coming from. And I think, so maybe this is just a way Shushé does it that I haven't seen before. But what I really appreciate about him that I felt like he understood about the character is that this interesting idea that he doesn't like doing this. He really 
he 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 has such an interesting morality where he truly believes humanity is above murder that we are so capable of not killing each other and that it is such a thing that debases us as a species uh, entirely and he also knows that he is the only one often smart enough to solve this so he has to go through the muck and the tyranny of people and the lack of intelligence and the fact that they fail so often uh but he kind of has to because he's one of the few who can actually do it and i like that sort of maybe it is maybe a bit too superhero-y but i think it's an interesting concept of like him fighting with this uh morality and i think that's kind of the angle he went with with perot which i thought was at least uh inventive versus uh uh the the i don't know eccentricity no, no, no. stuff. I, 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 guess, I guess that's the thing is like from my perspective, like, you know, I th- we, we tend, we typically tend to take these like, so the big one that's, that we have to compare this to, unfortunately is a little bit Sherlock Holmes. Um, oh yeah, no, that, that, when I saw it, I was like, was this pitch to Sherlock Holmes? Was like the studio wanted to be a Sherlock Holmes or, and then Brenna? they just did what they wanted. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, I think Brano wanted not to do. I think he wanted to do the '74 Sydney Lumet movie. I think it's very much like that movie, which I have seen and is very good and better than this film, I would say. Um, but because yeah. um, Albert, I really like Albert Finley in that film too. Um, and uh, uh, I think he was going for that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, "Make it fun, make it exciting, <laughs> right. add some, add yeah. some, add some zip zazz." <laughs> Old people yeah. don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> And it's like, well, I know a lot of, particularly women, um, but men too, who are our age, who love these books. It's like Agatha Christie still is one of the most read like writers of all time. I think right. there's an audience out there, and I hope at and, the very and least this is film like not that. to be offensive. Like this is the most iconic reveal of any book. Not you know, spoilers ahead, obviously, but like this is this is the reveal where everyone did it. So right. like like she's the only one that flipped the script on like the reveal in like the most perfect way. It's like actually everyone just did it. Everyone did the murder. <laughs> like right. that's how it works. And in the in the context of the book, it's so like it's like if you're if you're like really unprepared for that shock, it's really, really good and played so strong. Strongly. And that's the thing is that like I feel like a lot of the context of the mystery was not as shocking to me in the context of this film. You know, I'd already knew what it was. And so maybe like I'm losing that a little bit. I can't really tell or give like my critical opinion of that. But I have to admit the reveal of Linda Arden and like some of the other elements in this was not as strong for me as in previous versions where she's just played so ridiculously and obviously mm. overacting. But at the same time, it is it is like I do think that like the mystery is really, really fast paced and kind of hard to put together. And like, I feel like this is something that's like really in need of like, like some really quick editing to like try to pull the sequence of events together in a really interesting way. Like I want some like, I don't know, some like hot fuzz style editing of like clues (laughs) to like kind of stress what's happening. And, and it's also the book is like that too, because like he comes in and he's just like knows all the facts about the Daisy Armstrong murder. So like there are some issues with the books that I think come into the movie and that's not really fair. But at the same time, I just like, it's hard for me to say that this movie's adding anything to the existing work. It's like, I'm very happy that it exists, 
But like in the in the grand scheme of Poirot and detective fiction, like this isn't an improvement. If you're going to go action packed, you need to go all the way to the other end of the spectrum of Sherlock Holmes, which I have mixed feelings about, but I appreciate what they attempted to do. And that's the thing is like this one, you know, has those moments. It just needs to cut those moments out and be a trained murder mystery. And even when it does that, it is the quote unquote inferior version of this story. Yeah, I guess that's where I just differed that I just liked how traditional it was and that it was made so uncynically. You know, I think we No, yeah, absolutely. We, we take a lot of these old properties and we're like, how do we how do we spice it up? How do you make a mummy fun? You right. know? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, like not to say even the Brendan Fraser did it fine. Like, yeah, that's part of the problem um, with that movie. Different matter, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, you're trying to be like, how yeah. do you make Frankenstein an action movie? You know, like it's it's like, well, maybe it doesn't. I, need I to love be. I love your theoretical producer voice. Like that's that's my favorite voice you have. Like he needs to make a reappearance on this show. It's like, oh, hey, I like I like how he's like a mobster. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's like doing a drive by on all our all our emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I I, I agree, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah there's around. so much there's so much so true and it's clear that everyone making this film has like such a respect for the character and Poirot himself and like as he's hamming it up he's like you are just evil and I don't like your face like that was so good <laughs> it's such a good scene where it's like and it's even like Johnny Depp is like doing his like gangster thing to the maximum and he's just like I don't like your face good day to you sir <laughs> it's, just like, it's such a it's such it's not a scene that would ever happen in a modern movie and it's just so good that they play that straight face and it has such good gravitas and import and that's the thing it's like there's some connective tissue in this movie that's like I guess it's the thing there's certain things that modern movies do better and I have an expectation that like it doesn't like I have an expectation that modern movies hold your hand more and this movie just does not hold your hand and that's not yeah. bad but like I had a hard time catching certain elements of like specifically why this garlic kimono was important and all right that. And, th- and that's where I have also the problem is like I just my brain is not good at following clues I'd be very bad in an escape room I'll admit it I just can't generally follow clues in these things so typically I just go with the emotional flow um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back at you Ben here and I'm gonna say this like I don't mean to I like I think like as a as a person and you know more my girlfriend than me does escape rooms all the time and we have a hundred percent success rate mostly because of Katie I'll totally <laughs> own up to that but like like you know, I love murder mysteries and I love the clues and I love this sort of genre. And like, I didn't follow this thing. And like, I, I knew I read the book. <laughs> I know what all the clues were and I could barely pick out when they were introducing the clue. Cause like they introduced this kimono and I'm like, and it doesn't really come up in conversation. It's not presented in such a way. Like there's no, there's no dialogue scene of them explaining the kimono, which in previous versions there sort of is like, there, and you, it's easy to miss it, but at the same time it happens. And that's the thing is like, I don't think the mystery <laughs> holds together. Like, and that's the thing is like having read it, like my brain is putting in other facts that are this. And I like interpretations of the characters. And that's the thing is like, they're taking a mystery, keeping the mystery the exact same, and then doing versions of the characters and updating the characters more than the mystery itself, which is, you know, the mystery is good, but at the same time, it's like, I would, I would rather them have updated how the presentation of the movie 
and to be a proof as to like why we could, you know, have modern movies. And the thing is like, as an audience going in, like, it's very hard for me to recommend this. Well, I mean, I'll recommend it. I'm going to recommend the shit out of it actually. Um, <laughs> but it's very, but it's very, it's very hard for me to say like somebody goes in there is like, Oh, I didn't get it. I didn't catch this. I didn't get that. And I'm like, no, I totally get that. Like, <laughs> no, it, it didn't have a great cinema score, and I'm not shocked by that because I can imagine a lot of people get to the end and they're like, "We all did it," and they're like, "What?" <laughs> um, yeah, and that reveal is a little messy too. Uh, yes, but again, I, I I think it's just the again thing where I'm like, I'm just enjoying the emotional waves of it, and where I'm not like paying attention quite to how they no, all no, no, interconnect. I, I get you, and like. You know, so for me at that end, it's just more like I'm more focusing on Michelle Pfeiffer's acting the shit out of this scene, and I really love the staging of the table, and it's just such a Branagh shot of all these suspects at a table in this snowy mountain. Why is there a table there? It makes no sense, but it's great. It's just like using this <laughs> 70 millimeter to its fullest advantage. Which can we just take a second and say it makes me laugh so much. That all these directors right now are like, we're using 70 millimeter and they all make claustrophobic movies. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, yeah. I'm using 70 millimeter in a train. <laughs> I'm using 70 millimeter in a tiny shack in the woods. And it's like, right. Or I'm using 70 millimeter and or I'm using like super Panasonic wide, like angle lenses in just like a tiny coach wagon. And then uh, just yep. and like a freezing cabin yep. in the winter. <laughs> the yeah, it's like, it's so funny because they're like. 70 millimeter was all about like you go to the monument valley and you see all the canyon and this person's this tiny and this giant frame and it's like they all are now using it to make like i don't know claustrophobic movies and it's right, very right. odd and i don't know why it's it's it's, it's 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 i think it's like it's more like it is like a kind of like a i don't want to say a dick waggling moment but like the, i honestly thought that the wide angle lens at like certain like tr- motion tracking moments was a little bit off especially in that final motion tracking shot through the cabin i feel like there's a little distortion of the, yeah there was of really the image. bad um motion blur yeah i know right. it's really really bad motion blur this time and i'm wondering if it's yeah. like a process of like the digital processing uh, it definitely was something. something um i i don't know why because you could have done that tracking shot with the steady cam and i don't think it was particularly insane i don't i don't know why that one had so much blur on it Mm. um because it definitely was like a like a film money shot especially when it came up on michelle pfeiffer at the end and and just like sexed out dress like i was like what what's happening right now i don't i don't i don't i don't understand um like the last one he did was hamlet and that was just like look at how many chandeliers i have I have so many. Oh, the chandeliers, and I'm going to be a ham sandwich between two chandeliers. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be a chandelier ham sandwich. I should, I should point out Hamlet is like one of my all-time favorite movies, and but it's he's no, so I, right. He is Jack I, I'm, is one hundred percent on. I'm not criticizing it. I like it's like it's one of those things where you're not criticizing something that you love, but you yeah. just admit what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm a big, and that's the thing is I, I like I even enjoy. I wish it wasn't Poirot, and I, and I know that's I know and that's I I, that. I I hate that criticism. I hate that criticism so much, um, 
because like so much of what makes it good is because it is Poirot. Like, you know, it it wouldn't have such a good murder mystery if it wasn't Poirot, but like, it's just, it's, you maybe more wish it was like, and then there were none where there like, isn't like a famous detective in that one. Right. And maybe, maybe that's the thing is like the, the characterization of it is, is bad to me. And that's the thing, but I like his characterization. He's making a character and I like what he's doing. He's, he's made a character and sticking to it, but it's just very not Poirot for me. Interesting. So and, and it's it's almost and it's also it's almost someone else, but it is very superhero-y to me. And I think mm-hmm. that you pointed that out. And I like now that you've said it, I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> so like, yeah, like, that, I mean, he did a Thor sure, movie, like yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's and that's the thing. It's like you know, it's uh, I can't I I, I ha, you know I have this responsibility and I must be a part of it. And it's like it's pra- he's like practically giving the goddamn Uncle Ben speech, you know, like <laughs> like and and I don't mean that mean. I just mean like like Poirot enjoyed the mystery, like. Poirot was somebody that enjoyed his work and like, you know, and he was a particular man, but he wasn't, he wasn't like, like he was proud of himself and like he took pride in his work and he did, they do do the, uh, like Poirot's like inability to turn away, uh, turn away from the truth. Um, but it's not like, it's not like something that he has an inability to not tell the truth. Like, you, you know, cause at the end of like the thing, he's like, I believe justice is done here. And he just, he just does it. Like it's like he's like you know, and like literally Michelle Pfeiffer's Linda Arden in the book just like convinces him. Is like think about the face of Daisy Armstrong, and he goes, "Yes, I will think about Daisy Armstrong." And then it's done. You know, that's 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 like, and he's like, "Justice will be done." And that's literally the last line of the book is like, "Justice has been done here," and he's just like, "Okay." Yes, but now, I, but like a superhero movie, we have to have a sequel tease. <laughs> it, it, and that's, I guess, that's the thing. It's just like that, that's so where I good. see the uh, studio stuff, where it's like, yeah. But what yep. if we had a Praro cinematic universe? You know, like that's where it's oh, like. No, I am. God. I do say I would be <laughs> down for a, a Death on the Nile movie, which they oh, tease I, at because I, I love I, Egypt stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be down for all of it, honestly. Like, uh, honestly, like of, of, of like this doesn't de- like a secret, uh, like a cinematic, like detective Agatha Christie universe does not depress me in the same way Dark Universe did. But at the same time, like I like I just and and frank like frank and frankness that's always already been essentially done to the level that it needed to be done to. It doesn't need sexy action scenes jammed into it, right? <laughs> like, Miss Marple like, like, fighting on a yeah. train, <laughs> and there's like on the Nile, they're literally like on the Nile, like there's a Nile chase sequence, and he's like, "I'm Poirot," and I stick, and I, and somehow I know that you're gonna come by here, and I'm gonna stick my fucking stick in this wall, and you're gonna yeah, hit your face on it, because was... I am somehow Sherlock Holmes at the same time, and I have superhuman abilities. Yeah, that that and, opening, and, I was like, "Oh no," I was really worried, <laughs> really yeah, worried at the start. Like, when he, it's like somehow he knew that he would run that direction after he got a gun pointed at him oh my god it's so bad yeah yeah <laughs> um and, that, and that's the thing is like there are mo- i guess that's the thing this movie is such a mixed fucking bag for me mm-hmm. like and that's and that's where i come back and forth about it is like i love i love its existence i love that it's like not a thing that gets made anymore i love all of this i hate kind of the interpretation of Poirot and all the detective fiction. I hate that the mystery doesn't really work, but I still really want to love it. And I still kind of recommend it. But at the same time, I don't blame anyone that doesn't like this film because it's such an acquired fucking taste. It's, it's so acquired and it's so eclectic and so outside the norm of what modern movies are that it's very hard. Like you didn't like it. I mean, I totally understand why it's not, it's not, it's not holding the hand in a detective sort of way. 
For you, dear listeners of our Tuscan Chef podcast, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Now, this is definitely something that you should look into if you consider yourself a geek. It's a monthly subscription box that gives you stuff like figurines and t-shirts and whatever else they decide to include in the box for that month's theme. If you're into pop culture, gaming, film and TV, even one for Hello Kitty, you're bound to find a box that you want to get. And it's like a surprise every month for yourself or someone else because you don't know what exactly you're going to get. Plus, it's exclusive, so whatever they decide to send, you're not going to find it in a store somewhere. So why not get a t-shirt that most people aren't going to have? Plus, since you can cancel it at any time, skip a month if you want and start it up later. Seriously, Loot Crate is a great service and you should definitely give it a look. To give it a try, just go to trylootcrate.com slash Tuscan and use the promo code BRIDGE10 to get 10% savings. It is again very... And I think people might go in expecting a um, ensemble film, uh, and it yeah. is a bit, but most of it is at the beginning, at the end, you know, and then right. the rest of the movie is everyone gets their little little sequence. I'm curious who of those you liked and didn't like. I'm sort of the individual because I was particularly fond of Michelle Pfeiffer, and I was actually more just surprised that Josh Gad I found quite uh, solid. In his action yeah. scene, acting scene. I, and I love that they established that he was an alcoholic in real life, like in the scene where they're like hiding the uniform and he's drinking and the one of the ladies is like, stop drinking. <laughs> like, right. like I love that was like an important moment that like the drinking wasn't an act. And I love like they did. They did do a good job of communicating people's like beliefs and systems like outside of that. And that like there was a lot of good like just like visual fiction going on here in terms of like using visuals to determine who people are and who like their false identities are. Right. And you can feel like he feels that each person's um, we're, like the blocking of each person. I found very interesting. We're like, you, they're very different. Like Daisy Ridley, it, he does like a little tea thing with her in the giant snow or just Gadge just kind of like in a corner somewhere, you know, like it's, right. it's each person kind of has their own individual sort of, um, uh, surrounding that I think kind of matches right. their, uh, right. their, their character. Right. And, and, and it's, all, and, and there's a lot of other visual fiction. I, and I thought that like the claustrophobia of the train, like I think the cinematography on this is good. There's a couple of moments that are just straight up out of, out of focus. And I don't understand those. And I don't understand someone like that exact, that visual, um, that vi- those visual issues. Like, I feel like the dig- the digital budget on this was super sketchy, but like oh, yeah. the set design budget was insane. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot of like cheap train CGI shots that you have to put up. Yeah. With. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the mix is that there's a lot of cheap train CGI and then there's these beautiful interior and, and beautiful downward see they built shots. This giant train set, which is great. Right. Like, and he walks right. all over it and they use that to their full advantage. So, it's sort of a right. Yeah, it's a it's a thing where you could definitely tell it is very old Hollywood again in that way, where it's like that's when we would have had our cheat miniatures, you know, like for the train, right? And then we cut to our sets, you know. Again, it is very very old Hollywood in a lot of ways, right. and that's and why the, it can be very have, slow. Yeah, and they have some other old Hollywood moment, like they have that like that like two or three minute like long cut of him walking down the whole train, establishing it, which is, and I was like, I from, uh, uh, the Sydney Lumet film. He does the exact same thing. Yeah. Well, but I, you know, give credit where credit's due. Ripping off the right thing is like 90% of the battle. Oh yeah. I'm fine. (laughs) Rip it off. It's a tough shot to do. It's like, it establishes the shit out of the train. Here's the dining car. Here's, uh, if you haven't read the passenger uh, cars, I'll just say, if you haven't read, um, making movies by Sydney Lumet, it's one of my favorite 
books about filmmaking and he opens with just talking about how hard it was to do that opening shot and he's just like this was one shot in one movie this is how hard filmmaking can be and it's like i spent all day to get this one stupid shot (laughs) and it's like i don't even like it that much he said um yeah (laughs) though i think it's great um that's that's a very him thing to say yeah exactly (laughs) um so yeah no it it is again going back to think i get why it's like it doesn't add anything new right I, i guess i i treat this like a like a like 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 I get to see this play now. You know what I mean? Like there was once a play in the seventies that had all these famous actors in it. And now you get to see the play with the actors you like now, you know, it is very like my modern playhouse is doing murder on the Orient express. Like all oh, these actors I like are going to do this thing I like, and they're not going to change it. Cause it's a play, you know, and you don't change the script. And it's a very big deal. Maybe you add little like bits here and there and you change certain characters. But for the most part, it's the core thing that was existed 40 years ago. And so I totally understand really well. You just go watch that movie. I'm like, yes, but that movie doesn't have Daisy Ridley and Leslie Adam Jr. and Kenneth Branagh. And, you know, it's it's a different, completely uh, uh, different <laughs> wallpapering of the same house. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I, there's a. I feel like we need to go with like a train metaphor. We need a train I, I, don't know, metaphor. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's the same tracks, new train. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Oh gosh. <laughs> Different, uh, different, po- different, po- a different mustache. Uh, <laughs> in the in the movie, in fifty years, his mustache will be just all around his head. It'll just be the most. <laughs> like the next Poirot adaptation, his head is just a giant mustache. It's just one talking mustache. <laughs> yeah, it's just like there's like a man, and it's like the mustache is like I pay this man to carry me around on his face. <laughs> I am the mustache that solves the crime. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And, and that's just, that's just, I, I, it's just, this is, I guess this is like, there are other people that I would have loved to have seen adapt this film. Kenneth Branagh was not the person that came to mind for this, but I still enjoy its existence. Um, I appreciate it. I think people should go see it and support it. It was a little bit depressing that opening night, it was like in the small theater and never, like no one showed it on IMAX here yeah. for whatever reason. But it did really well uh, this, this weekend. It so, did? Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Good. It, it did, I'm glad. It did like 28 million, which I was not expecting. I was good. upset because they had Thor Ragnarok. So I have a, I have like a AMC that has like a, like an IMAX screen and I really wanted to see this in IMAX um, because you know, 70 millimeter and all that jazz. But yeah. like uh, I just, I just, they didn't show it in IMAX and I was very upset by it. <laughs> I know it's in between this and justice league. It never had a chance yeah, to be on the big. Yeah. Screen. It's, it's, it, it's coming out at a really shitty time. Um, hopefully both justice league is going to be pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> I think it's going to appeal. They're trying to appeal to an older audience. I think the only thing is I think, right. you know, half the audience was under the age of 35, um, which is, I disagree about, I think they've misunderstood. Who that's what I'm saying. Is. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. Th- they actually, they, they did demographics. I was reading for the, I'm a box office nerd. I'm so sorry, listeners. Um, and the, no, 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 they go, had, go to town, go to and town. The, and 50% of the people were under the age of 35, which is, I thought surprising for this movie. And I think, yeah. I, I, and like 60% of the audience was women. And I really do think this true crime boom is, is people have noted is really run by women. A lot of the producers are women and a lot of the consumers are women. I don't think necessarily every true crime fan is going to love Agatha Christie, but there's going to be some crossover there. And I think we're at a time now where these things are very popular. And I would be surprised if this film's kind of a minor hit, you know, because yeah, uh, well, whether they like the film or not, I think at least 
maybe it'll reignite some interest in these old kind of detective stories in some way or another. I don't know. I'm just curious. And, and this, and it's, cons- it's still a consistent thing that female, like the female audience is, is like people don't, I, you know, you realize that people really don't understand the female audience where that's like detective fiction was a big part of like the female audience. Like it went hand in hand with romance novels as being quote of like femme verse literature. And right. like, it's like, I, that's a just, don't quote me on that statement. Jesus Christ. Um, but, like, but it is, it is like, it's Agatha Christie and it is like kind of, that was a thing. It was like, e- even pre like romance novels, it was kind of this idea that it was lifted in this thing. And, and I think somehow it still has a strong connection to that female element. Um, and it kind of, sh- it kind of shines through here a bit. And I think that's, uh, it's, it's surprising to me that it's going to do that way. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about it. I guess it only has a $55 million production budget. So probably about 150 million total. It's got to get probably, yeah, it had, it had a pretty decent marketing budget, but I I thought it was pretty low. I thought the marketing was pretty low personally. Oh yeah. I guess I just yeah. maybe I was just excited for it, so I was excited. No, I mean, I, no, I, I'm dead serious. Like, I like it was like not in the main theater. Like, from my from it looks pretty bleak from my perspective in North Carolina. I'm not like I'm no, never sure true. like what it is, but like like they they it wasn't it, it didn't get in the, ma- the showing in the main theater. It was like relegated to the smaller theaters in my and that's the other thing is like my I have an older movie theater and so it has like truly smaller movie theaters right, <laughs> and then right, it has like right. it's three big screens um and like and like and it's literally like this this movie room is like a one by one uh projection projection screen and it's it's digital but it's it is like this this theater shape is for a one by one and th- and that's where it was and i was going in there i was like huh? really i have to watch it here i'll never and that and that was just i was like i was like upset by that but I, i'm glad i'm glad like box office mojo doesn't lie um i mean neither do you ben sorry <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where i get my info from so hopefully no no I, 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 it appears that everyone does i was i was watching like uh somebody on youtube that was talking about movie reviews and he literally like in the background was pulling up box office mojo as he was talking <laughs> i was like yeah. it's good to know that everyone just does this <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's only them and the other one is the numbers but they play fastedly they, I don't know. They yeah, no, bo- the box office. Box I trust up- them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, box office mojo is like they're solid people. They're writing articles that are real here. <laughs> and if you if you want to get me started, talk to me about their weird categories on box office mojo. <laughs> My favorite list of all time. Just just Google it. Just find it. It's uh 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 controversy movies where they talk about movies that were controversial and then they have the controversy in quotes uh so it'll be like passion of the christ (laughs) anti-semitism like so you know go through that list enjoy yourself um well i'm I'm interested to see what how many movies are like controversy today oh my god (laughs) passion of the christ da vinci code anti-christian really yeah, I remember there's like the whole thing about how like the Da Vinci Code ends with the the book ends with like Jesus not being uh died, you know, and he was like oh, he had, he had kids and stuff. Yeah, you know? whatever. Um Django Unchained was the N-word, apparently. I think that that I would like to point out <laughs> the upcoming film All the Money in the World, the controversy is just Kevin Spacey, <laughs> which you know you <laughs> fucked up if just your name is a controversy. <laughs> like you are, you are, you are, you are a controversy. You are. Unfortunately, own, he is at this point. Um, is. Angels and demons, anti-Christian. And love of these are anti-Christian. <laughs> True lies is anti-Arab. Um, basic instinct, vagina flash, Wolf of Wall Street doesn't which, have subjects. Which- <laughs> I love how neither does Noah. 
<laughs> no, you just get it, you know. Yeah, there, there's like there's like five other anti-Christian on the list, but Noah just is like, oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna touch that. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain literally says gay cowboys. <laughs> like it's not even like anti-gay, pro-gay. It's like gay cowboys. Oh. <laughs> no, these are, these these descriptions are and like where they omit them is the best. Right, it's just like who ever. decided this list, and I want to meet them and talk to them for an hour. <laughs> Fascinating. Here's here's my favorite. Bruno is gay panic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, I think it's time to score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to go first? Yes. Um. Uh. Sorry. Let me do this real quick. For the viewer at home. Ben just looked down and is doing some really cool math <laughs> on his thing. He's really trying to do it. Because I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I am like change. I have no idea what I want to score this yeah. a little bit. Uh, it's really difficult for me. Yeah, it might be lower than you expect. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Um, like I said, I do really like it. I could totally see where you're coming from. Like the, the clues don't um, all match up or make sense. Maybe it's a little too traditional for its own good, though I, I Part of why I do like it as traditional, but you know, maybe we can make it just a, just a bit faster. <laughs> you know, just to yeah. cut it a little yeah. faster. No, I, I I second that seven all the way to the bank. I mean, this is like I I never said I would give it like a low score, and 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 I, and I won't lie. Thor Ragnarok pushed this one up a bit. No, <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Well, because Thor Ragnarok is probably like it's one of those movies. It's on like in the uh, in the Blade Runner to uh, Back to the Future scale. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben's rubbing his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I like I like the scale. Yeah, I I think that it's it like Thor Ragnarok is heavily into the Blade Runner side of things, uh, but it because it doesn't really has a lot of plot holes, a lot of issues, and all this stuff. But it's just pure fun, and that's why I gave it an eight. Uh, I, this movie is very clean, uh, but it's also like it's not fun at times, and, and maybe and it's very hard for me to separate out like the reasons why I hate it from the reasons I like it, uh, and it's very hard for me to like not be a David Suchet fanboy here. Right. Um, and it's the especially thing where Katie like- Katie physically would not go see it. Wow. And she's a, she's read like all of Agatha Christie and like is a huge Poirot nerd. That's interesting. And like she just will not. She like saw one trailer with Imagine Dragons and she's like, I won't see it. Ever. Yeah, that was a really bad trailer. That was a very it was it was it, it like I'm just saying and when, like that. Like, and then everyone complained, and then the second trailer they did it again. And I was like, Why are you doing? No, and it was it's really sad too, because like I feel like if she like watched it, she could like get into it and be fine. Do you know like right. she's gotta get past that first like, you know, like cane in the wall and double poop sandal thing. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe edit the movie and then just start. Yeah, there. Just like cut out cut out Poirot's introduction because it's real bad. It's real and bad. that's the other thing. Like if they had like had to make the mystery, I'm pretty sure it would have been some shit like that. And I would have been like, oh, nah, yeah, bro. Pro- probably, probably. <laughs> nah, yeah, bro. I, not 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 great. It's, it's weird that I, I do want people will see it in the theaters because you know a it would just be nice to have more of these movies and then b like it it does use the widescreen in interesting ways a lot of the time and, and it and it can reward that that said it's kind of like the perfect movie to watch on netflix and just cuddle with somebody so like i kind of recommend oh, that yeah. too because it's just like yeah it's very slow you can maybe chat during it when there aren't people around and you can just kind of right. come in and out of it and and the clues we saw it in the big screen and tried to pay attention. The clues didn't really make sense. So just let it not make sense. And they'll explain at the end and just kind of go along with the ride and just have a comfy mystery. Uh, 
But I think that's its sort of advantage, and plus some really good acting and uh, and just some really good old school production values, which I very much uh, enjoy seeing from time to time. And not sort of in like yeah. a, as much as I like La Land, it's a very again very like obvious way this is like there's just no cynicism to this movie which is just so interesting to me there's just like i want to do my version and <laughs> like old hollywood like kenneth Branagh is just this poor guy is just 30 years too late like he's he should have been in 1943 he'd be the perfect cecil b demille hambone guy you know like but yeah yeah but he's a modern actor and he's trying his best and i i doctor director and I, I don't know i i appreciate this and i at least very much appreciate him doing this and not Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Please don't do that again, <laughs> ever. <laughs> I, I I agree with you. I, like I feel like Kenneth Branagh is like in need of like in like an Exodus interpretation. <laughs> like, oh, like, like he, yeah. He needs his he needs his uh-huh. New Testament film. Like he is that yeah. actor to like yeah. the T and back. And he just he's just a man born out of a time. He's like some people you meet and you're like you would have been a great Viking or like a gladiator. It's like no nah, Kenneth Branagh's time was 20 years ago in like the height of like Golden Age Hollywood. Yeah, like 1940s Kenneth Branagh would have ruled the world. You know. Yeah, and he would have had a lot of gay subtext, and it would have been amazing. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> <laughs> exactly who he would have been. Everyone would have and like, and then it would just it would have been like the fashion of like the gay community for the first twenty years would have been yes, that mustache. The, you would have you served Douglas Sirk. You'd be the the guy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up uh, for the Movie Gang Podcast. This has been Ben Howers. Talk to y'all later. And I'm your host, Jack Newman. Uh, well, we co-hosted. It's not really. Yeah. I don't, it's nice when there's just one person. You don't have to like yell at everyone constantly. I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's fine. It's a, it's yeah, a quiet, it's, comfy. You know, again, it's, it's yeah, the it's movie. It, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna add like train noises to the background of this whole Ooh, yeah. whole thing. Yeah. So imagine it's snowing. I mean, that's the other thing you need to add. Like, I love trains and I love snow, and I, it's like <laughs> I, I I like legit like old school style fetishize like trains. Like, in, oh in, yeah, in like the no, you know, I. I like me, Bond me movies. horny for some trains after oh, yeah. this movie. Oh yeah, like like how we talked about lighthouses last year with the that lighthouse yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, that 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 train is getting the shit fucked out of it. Oh it's on, yeah, some, a bunch of people's eyeballs are like fucking the shit out of it. It's like, ooh, you a sexy train. Like look at those like, individual <laughs> cabins. Mm. Oh yeah, and, and it's like, and somebody comes and serves you breakfast mm. in bed in your cabin. Mm. God, man. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it great to be rich it back great. then? <laughs> <laughs> it's usually great to be rich anytime. I think. <laughs> and I love it's like it's Agatha Christie a little bit. Didn't everyone just live this way? Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody rode that train back in Merth and got yelled at all the time. Oh, sorry. Let's, okay. All right. <laughs> For, so if you liked, if you enjoyed this podcast, head on over to TuscanShed.com and look at all our various other podcasts, including Animania, Geek Space Nine, and Live Long and Discover. Check out all our other podcasts and coming this January, the Pen and Paper Pod. Go and check that out. It's going to be on our updates coming soon to the TuscanShed.com. If you want to head on over there as well, check out TuscanShed.com backslash support us. You can find a myriad number of ways to keep this podcast on the air. We would really appreciate some help. Times are tough. Stuff. But just going over there, you don't even have to pay us money. Just go you do your regular Amazon shopping and use our Amazon affiliate link. We'd appreciate that. Sends us some money. Pay for some stuff. 
um, you know, me and Ben can have a pot to piss in. So, <laughs> so I don't know what that. I actually literally don't know what that reference is from, but I just use it. Uh, so it could I be something terrible. Google I don't know. It. Yeah. It's yeah. Like There's gonna, gonna be, be really some pissing gross. in pots. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, it's not the grossest thing, but it's just like, I don't want to Google this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. From everyone here at the Movie Gang Podcast, thanks for listening. For you, dear listeners of our Tuscan Chip Podcast, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRITCH10 for 10% savings. Now, this is definitely something that you should look into if you consider yourself a geek. It's a multi-subscription box that gives you stuff like figurines and t-shirts and whatever else they decide to include for that month's theme. If you're into pop culture, film and TV, gaming, even one for Hello Kitty, you're bound to find a box that you want to get. And it's like a surprise every month for yourself or someone else because you don't know what exactly they're going to send you. Plus, it's exclusive. So whatever you get sent, you're not going to find in a store somewhere. So why not get a t-shirt that most people aren't going to be wearing out and about? Plus... Since you can cancel it at any time, skip a month if you want, and start it up later. Loot Crate is a really cool service, and you should give it a look. You should give it a try. To do that, just go to trylootcrate.com Tuscan and use the promo code BRIDGE10 to get 10% savings.